0: Breathing Space Fading Frontier contains adult language and situations, including alcohol use and romantic relationships. This episode contains a depiction of police violence. Additional sensory contact warnings can be found in the show notes.
1: I ain't got no home to go to, I ain't got nothing to sell. But my stars will never leave me, even when I'm sold to help. I was born.
2: first time I run into the kid was in the Luna pool. I'd bummed around most of the low-Earth orbit stations for the fall and was thinking of trying the planets for the winter. Prospects on Mars or Venus seemed about the same as it did closer to Earth, but I figured I was due for a change of scenery. And it wasn't like I had much holding me back. I'm a no-go. No home going anywhere. Been that way since I was knee-high. Mother gave me a name, but I won't bore you with it. My no-go moniker is Booster Rockets. A Daiso Kingman freighter seemed a likely choice. Big old cargo ship stuffed with prefabricated housing units, dehydrated foodstuffs, frozen fish eggs, and plenty else. So much so that the bulls wouldn't be able to find a poor little no-go like me. They had a lock on the door, a digital thing. But the enterprising no-go never allows such obstacles to slow him. After breaking that, I switched on the headlamp, zipped up my spacesuit, and started searching for a place to build my lullaby. Found a good location, found a big stack of low-grav tires, and started setting up and plugging everything in. That's when he found me.
3: Excuse me, um, I'm not sure how to say this. Is this spot taken?
2: Right away, I could tell he didn't know his asshole from an airlock. There's room for the both of us. Plenty of shadow. Just make sure nothing's sticking out. You set your lullaby up right against the wall, I'll go under the tires, and we'll manage. You do got a lullaby, don't you?
3: Yes, sir. fella who sold it to me said it was top of the line. Uh, Um, is this where the wires go? And the breathing apparatus?
2: He was a kitten. That's what we called him baby no-go. But that was alright. and I was a baby no-go myself once. We all were. Wars, climate change, the jobs going away. They were like a nest of serpents. If one didn't bite you, the other did. It was climate what did for me. sea swallowed my home. There was nowhere left to go but the stars. Back then, an old-timer showed me the ropes, and so I did the same to the kid. Helped him build his lullaby.
3: Thank you, sir. My name is... Nope.
2: Nope. I don't want to hear your name. Don't want to know anything about you, as a matter of fact. We could wind up riding together for years until we get busted by the bulls, or this could be the only time I ever see you in my life. That's the no-go way. So we'll stick with no-go names for now. I'm called Booster Rockets. I don't suppose you got a no-go name? I can't say I do. Well... Seeing as everything not strapped down's about to float, how about we call you Zero Gravity? Zero G, or just zero? That's how much sense you got, it seems. You got your Life Support IV plugged in? Give me. Ouch.
3: Yeah, it's in. Zero. I like it. Are these lullabies really going to keep us safe?
2: I ain't been let down by them yet. Don't know how they work, but they do. Slow your breathing keep nutrients going into your system. You sort of hibernate, I guess, like bears do, back when there were such things. And if they malfunction, you just stop breathing and drift off to no-go heaven. There are worse ways to go, like if the bulls find you. Bulls? Taurus corporate security. If they find us no-goes, there is no end of cruelty we will endure. They'll be doing a sweep in a bit, so shut up and lie back.
3: You'll be out the airlock in a goddamn second. This is your last chance.
2: But they were just doing it on account of they had to. Didn't want to spend too much time in the hold and all that darkness. By and by they left and the engines came on. lullaby started to do its work. It'd feed and water us over the journey and keep us wrapped up in the darkness. All that was left for us to do was curl up and dream. And by and by, we reached the surface of Mars. Then Zero went one way, and I went another. And that was that. Weren't much work to be found on Mars. Ice mining mostly. But that was a good way to lose your fingers and toes. If not more, and I stayed away from it. Funny thing about rich folks and poor folks. rich man will call you lazy till he's blue in the face. You don't see them losing their fingers in the ice. I begged for a bowl of vitamin mush in New Philadelphia before stowing away on a scow for Phobos. They need workers on one of the big hydroponic farms, and I signed up for that, not having many other prospects. You are to pluck and place without stopping. You are allowed three five-minute
3: breaks per work session. You are allowed two seven-minute bathroom breaks per work session. Any damage to the hydroponic piping will be deducted from your pay. All fruits and vegetables are Grow and Glow Incorporated property. Any theft will be severely punished.
2: He went on like that for a while before he let us get to picking. And guess who ended up next to me?
3: Booster! How are you, man?
2: Well, if it ain't zero gravity, how's the no-go life treating you?
3: Oh, well, I ran into some of those bulls when they cleared out the jungle in New Philly. Nearly took my teeth out with one of their stun batons. I can see why they're so scary. But everyone's been nice to me. Everyone will extend a helping hand. That's something I can't say about... about my life before.
2: He'd find himself some truth. A rich man don't understand charity, no matter how much he gives. What does he care? How many crumbs he tosses from his table. But the poor man will share his crumbs with you. No better charity than that.
3: And it started with you, Booster. So I owe you a debt.
2: We got to talking, trading jokes and stories we'd picked up on the road. He'd got a certain sparkle in his eyes when he found something amusing. And his laughter was pleasing to the ears. It got so we hardly noticed the time passing before we knew it. The clock buzzed, and the harvest was finished.
3: Look, Booster, I got a little camp out in the station viewing gallery. You want to join me here for dinner?
2: Zero, I thought you'd never ask. So, after getting our pay credits, we headed up to his place. This was where tourists would come look through the big windows at the Red Planet, watch the ships come and go, but it was closed down now for maintenance. Zero'd hacked his way in and had a sweet setup. A couple thermal bags, some old pillows, a half bottle of Spacer's Hooch, and something else. Look at this. Strawberries and baby tomatoes. God damn, you had some light fingers. How you learned to lie so good? Learned from
3: my parents, I suppose.
2: We sat there together, munching on stolen plants and trading sips. Mars all big and red in front of us, and The ship's coming and going like sparks leaving a fire. It was cold in there. They'd kept the life support on, but not the heat. So we got real close. And my hand found his in the shadows.
3: Do you think you'd be a different person, Booster? If your circumstances were different?
2: Hell of a question. I don't know. I suppose man's circumstances changes him. And I guess I've had some hard circumstances.
3: Yeah. And I suppose mine made me who I am, too.
2: Guess so. It's not a bad thing. Oh, yeah? They made someone I'm pleased to know. Oh, it was cold under those stars, but we warmed it up plenty. I woke up before he did, saw that he'd removed his insulated coat, and there was his wallet, right in the side pocket. That kid... Dumb as a post still, you keep your billfold real close when you're traveling the stars. I pulled the coat back, hoping to store it somewhere safe, when the billfold slid out and opened. And inside, oh there was a whole deck of fancy charge cards. A metallic rainbow of them, rose gold and silvery platinum and God only knew what else. No scuffs on them or nothing. How the hell did a no go get his hands on something like that? And then I realized it. He was slumming, playing no go just for the fun of it. I left him before he woke up and got out of Phobos that very sleep cycle. I felt pretty low after that. Went down to Mars, begged on the streets of New Philadelphia, New Baltimore. New Pittsburgh. Got pretty sick of the new after a while and went further out. Rode a courier ship to the asteroid belt and find work on a company rig. Go into their tunnels during the day and work at extracting one type of rock from the rest of the rocks and bringing it up. Left me so tired I didn't realize how sore I was or how the beds in the company's slumber habitat were about as hard as the stones we were mining. I lasted for about three days before taking my pay and going to the jungle. The jungle. Most towns have them. Abandoned housing units or crew quarters or equipment storerooms given over to rats and stray dogs. The no-goes move in, building little habitats out of whatever they can find, and the jungle is born. This one was in a big cleared-out mining area. They'd kept the life support going and sealed it up. Probably wanted to use to store minerals at some point. Now, it had about three score no-goes breathing that free air and enjoying each other's company. And it had someone else too. Dr. Gold.
4: Ladies and gentlemen of the stars, I ask you. What is it that the rich man builds? Does he make the engine of the starship go? Does he mine for the fuel? Does he make the rations? No. He stays in his office, and the only thing he builds are his bank accounts.
2: Dr. Gold, the no-go surgeon. He'd cure you whatever illness you had, dole out vitamins, and reset your mangled bones. Of course, he'd fill your ears while he did it. That was all right. We liked listening to him.
4: You may have no homes, but you have worth. You are workers. The Intergalactic Workers Movement wants you. We will unite across the industries. One big galaxy. One
3: big union.
2: I was so intent on hearing him that I didn't notice who was standing next to me. Booster? Well, well. If it ain't the rich boy. What are you doing here?
3: I wanted to hear Dr. Gold speak, but you... you just left.
2: That's how it is for no-goes, kid. We got no home. We go anywhere. You think you can find friendship in the space lanes? Or love... Not when you have to move, whenever you can. When you're one step ahead of starvation or the stun batons. But what do you know of it? I took a peek in that wall of yours. Got yourself an escape pod. One charge of those and you can go home. Probably to some goddamn pleasure space station. Zero gravity. You got a zero-g pool to swim in.
3: No. I- I'm putting that behind me. I want the stars. I want you. Uh-
5: this is an unlawful gathering. Please peacefully disperse. Taurus Corporate Security thanks you for your cooperation. This is an unlawful gathering.
2: The bulls. Just what we needed.
3: Alright, bums. Get the hell out of here or you'll be kissing batons. And someone just that degenerate radical up.
2: Oh the hell with all of you. Wackies of the boss. It got real exciting after that. Bulls were coming in from all sides, working their batons so hard, it was a wonder their arms didn't get tired. Sparks came off the end, crackling and hunting. Burnt flesh smells everywhere. Dr. Gold, I don't know what happened to him. Hopefully, he had Belter friends could get him off world. All I knew was that a pair of bulls fixed on me and gave chase when I ran. Go on and run, no-go. You got a beating coming. I took the first corridor assault hurried down, my boots slapping on the metal. A few old glow strips on the steel walls, making the shadows of the bulls loom big. Like a set of demons in their riot armor. Closing in to give me the hiding of my life. I reached the end of that corridor, and there was nothing but steel. A dead end. This was one obstacle I could not evade by running. That no-go got nowhere to run.
3: Gentlemen, excuse me.
2: Gentlemen! It was Zero. He walked right up to those bulls, not a care in the world.
3: This guy's a friend of mine. Please, don't hurt him. He's my guide, you see, to the furthest stars of the galaxy.
2: And who
6: the hell are you?
3: Kevin Kingman. Yes, that sort of Kingman.
2: A Kingman.
3: Here's my ID, and you can go ahead and swipe my charge card if you'd like. It'll transfer to Taurus Credits. Call it a finder's fee. Finder's fee, huh? All right. Taurus Corporate Security appreciates your business, but you know your daddy's searching everywhere for you. Promised a big reward, too, and I'd like that reward. Go on, then. You can report this, and tell him I'm okay, if you don't mind. Especially when I got a veteran of the spaceways like Booster Rockets looking after me.
2: Well, that was it. bulls went looking for some more heads to crack, and I went out as well. Started back to the living quarters where I'd made camp. Zero trailed after me like a little dog.
3: Booster! Wait! Look, I'm sorry about what happened, but I'm not going back. Let me stay with you. My father will be sending men after me, that's for sure. But I'll keep on the move. You and me... We can outrun them.
2: Uh, I'd like to. I think I would. But that's not how it works. No-goes come and go. We meet in a cargo hold on a terraforming planet in some guest quarters. We work side by side or share a street corner. We might spend a sleep cycle together now and then. But then we go. I don't want to be chased by your father's hirelings. I won't stick around. You can go. I think you'll outrun him. I wish you luck. But as for me, I'm going to find a freighter bound for Pluto.
3: Booster, will I ever see you again?
2: I don't know, Zero. I don't. Galaxy ain't all that big, despite appearances. Maybe our paths will cross again. I look forward to it. And I left him there. And went to the port. For that's the no go's way. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a hand out. To revive us again,
7: I had been busted in New Perry when it all started. New Perry, little speck of a place, Earthsmith Unlimited Company Town. They were the outfit in charge of terraforming the section of Mars east of Olympus Mons, and you could tell they got picked on account of they had an uncle or somebody with the right government connections. They did the grass all wrong, it had the consistency of iron nails. Trees grew circular, with the branches jabbing out as spikes, the flowers smelled like chemicals... Not that I cared. My name is Star Freighter, and I'm a no-go. I was planning on a rapid departure, uh, until I got pinched at least.
3: You have been found guilty of vagrancy in an Earthsmith Unlimited property. If you cannot pay the required fee, you will spend 30 Martian days at hard labor in an Earthsmith workstation. All appeals can be addressed to the Earthsmith Unlimited Human Resources Department in the proper format. Thank you for choosing Earthsmith Unlimited.
7: 30 Martian days hard labor. Didn't sound too fun, but it wasn't like we had much choice. I decided to make the most of it. Settled into the corner and got my vape rig set up for a little smoking. Only I was down to my last cartridge. I guess that's what the universe does. Knocks you down, kicks you in the gut. I smoked up anyway and found myself listening to an old timer in the corner. A no-go queen named Zirconium Job. She was alright, but maybe her brain hadn't gotten enough oxygen one too many times. She was telling some yarn about the Candy Comet.
6: It speeds through the skies. Find the no-goes when they're low. And all they gotta do is hop off their starship and climb aboard. Got an atmosphere on it so you can breathe without... A lullaby, air like perfume, and grass as soft as pillows.
7: Where you find this zirconium? Inside a black hole?
6: You don't believe?
7: <laughs> Not in bullshit.
6: Ah, oh, you're a sorry sister star. Every no-go ought to believe in the Candy Comet. You know why it's got its names? Because it has got sugary mountains. You can tug off a rock, pop it in your mouth, and you're happy as can be. Any security guards who land on the comet go blind and deaf. There's no bosses, no work to be done. It's paradise.
7: Whatever you say.
8: Excuse me, friend. This spot taken?
7: Now, she didn't look like a no go. Fancy blazer, trousers to match, a fashionable hat with the flaps pinned up, and even a shimmering scarf that changed colors when you looked at it. Could be a kitten, a baby no go, new to the spaceways. But one look in her eyes told me that wasn't the case. She had these red contacts in them, made them crimson, and they was way too confident to belong to any no-go. Feel free to join me.
8: Nice rig you got there. Got one of my own. And too many cartridges. You like, uh, Guava Paradise Passion? Well,
7: thank you kindly. Star's my name. Star Freighter?
8: Red Janies, what they call me.
7: You're not a no-go, Janie.
8: Sure enough, I'm more of an enterprising businesswoman. And I got me a business opportunity for someone like you. Someone who knows the spaceways. Care to hear me out? No pressure. You can walk away anytime you like. Go on listening to that uh, toothless crone over there. Discourse on the candy comets.
7: Well... Alright, go on.
8: How'd you like to earn yourself a dozen charge cards? Fully loaded with company credits. And I ain't talking no rinky-dinks neither. Daiso Kingsman, Yukon, Taurus Industries, you name it, I got it. Take a look. Right here.
7: Holy shit. Where'd you get all that?
8: Like I said... I'm an enterprising businesswoman. Anyhow, I've got a little problem. I need to get these charge cards to Rezanov Station off of Jupiter. A cargo scout's going there, but they search all the passengers, and I'm not exactly supposed to be carrying these. That's where you come in. You take the bag, go into the hold, you know how to do that, and hold the satchel for me. When we arrive in Rezanov, we meet back up, You hand them over, I'll give you a third for your trouble.
7: A third? I'm taking all the risk here.
8: And something else. I'll bail you out, right now. Got more than enough funds to get you and me out of this holding cell. I'll even buy you lunch.
7: Oh, I don't like mixing with gangsters.
8: No pressure. I'll find someone else. And you can stay here, spend 30 days hard labor, learn more about the candy comets."
7: Well, I rolled it around in my head. Red Janey he certainly wasn't on the up-and-up, but it didn't seem too dangerous. I was thinking of giving the Jovian stations a try anyway, and even a third of that collection of charge cards would give me even sailing through the galaxy for half an Earth year, maybe more. I could sleep in a hotel habitat instead of a jungle camp, buy myself a new insulated coat. wouldn't have to beg for my meals. Let's give it a try.
8: That's the spirit. Now prep yourself for liftoff. Hey, I got the vagrancy fee right here. My friend and I are leaving.
7: We got out of there with a swipe of a charge card. Red Janie and one of her friends waiting outside in a fancy cruiser and sped us right out a new parry. Good riddance to that, dump. We? we dined on cloned pork sandwiches with real mustard. Earth mustard. And then it was off to the spaceport. Red Janie pointed out the scow I'd be taking. A little five-engine affair called the Balto.
8: Best of luck to you, stuff I'll see you on the other side.
7: The crew was away. Robots fueling the ship up, I worked my way around them, staying out of sight of the security cameras, and came to the bay doors. They had a lock on them. It wasn't hard to crack. Then I was inside and free to look around. And that's when I saw them. All placed in a big corral that took up most of the hold. A whole herd of llamas. Now, these weren't ordinary llamas. They were guard beasts, must be bound for some of those big ranches they'd built on the rings of Saturn sucking the ice right out of the orbit in chunks. Wild dogs had run out and gone feral and would go after sheep or goats, but llamas, with their big necks and kicking legs, they'd protect those herds. Easy there, easy. I'm just sharing the hold with you. Here. I even got you a treat. I had a loaf of Martian bread and doled it out to the llamas. It didn't leave me anything but some protein bars to enjoy during the journey, but I had no choice. I needed those llamas' calm. Don't worry, don't worry, got plenty for everyone. They dined on that bread and calmed right down. I even got to pet them a little. They were nice creatures, used to people. He reminded me of my dogs back on my father's farm, back on Earth. Well, it wasn't really his. We lived in some company houses by one of those big agribusiness concerns, and he'd vanish before dawn and come back at sunset. But there were a few strays hung around, and they'd always lick your face and let you pet them. And now I'd steal food from the kitchen table to feed them, even when there wasn't much for us. And for a long time, I'd dream about bringing one of those dogs home, but it never happened. I rigged up my lullaby in the corner next to the paddock. Something else nice about the llamas being there. No need for the lullaby to slow my breathing or give me oxygen, since, well, they had to keep the life support on for the animals. I just slipped into the bag and zipped it up. Didn't even have to be all the way in, because they still had the heat on. I was still pretty full from lunch, so I decided to save the protein bars for later. Instead, I closed my eyes and went to sleep. A real sleep, too, not what the lullaby gives you. It was nice. I even got to dreaming. And wouldn't you know it, I dreamed about the Candy Comet. I was there, and so was my father and my brothers, who I hadn't seen for years. And the other no gos were there, Draconium Jaw and Booster Rockets and Even old Steel Thumb, who had given his life to pilot a medical ship to care on nearly a year ago. They were all there, laughing and joking, relaxing on grass as soft as a pillow. If we were thirsty, cool water flowed freely. If we were hungry, we could break off some of the rock and pop it in our mouths. No bosses to tell us what to do, no security to run us off, or uncharitable folk to look down their noses at us. It was paradise. And then some loud noises woke me up. Where the hell is she?
8: Over here, maybe. Past the alpacas.
7: Uh, I think they're llamas, actually. Uh, Alpacas are smaller.
8: I ain't paying you to think, buddy. Wait, there she is.
7: And there was Red Janie. And she'd brought a friend. Looked big enough to wrestle an asteroid. His fingers hung down from his hands, metal implants with extra joints. That meant that he could punch as hard as he wanted to. I scrambled back, but there was a wall behind me, and then they closed in. Buddy got his hand on me and held me in place.
8: The satchel! Where's the goddamn satchel? Wait, there, by the sleeping bag. What the hell are you doing? I'm sorry, Star, it's nothing personal, and you were supposed to be asleep. Hold her, Buddy. This is just like getting a shot gotten shots before, just to poke with the syringe, and you'll be asleep, forever. Happens to no-goes all the time. But you
7: said we'd split the cards when we landed.
8: You're pretty stupid, aren't you? Explains why you're a no-go. Alright, buddy, you gotta? Let me get the needle in.
3: Hey, what did don't-
7: <laughs> Buddy had made his fingers metal, but not his nuts. And that's where I kicked him as hard as I could. Made him stumble back, and I dropped to the ground and scooped up the satchel. Red Janie tried to give me a poke with that syringe. Filled me up with poison. I rolled over and kept running. Dashed across the hold. Janie had a pistol on. And she drew that as we followed. It was terrible in there, with our boots pounding on the ground and the llamas caterwauling like crazy. That's what gave me the idea.
8: Where is that goddamn no-go? Wait. There. By the fence.
0: Hey, I thought we had to poison her make it look like an accident. If
7: she's gunshot... She's
8: space trash, you dumb shit. You think anyone cares about how she dies?
7: Now, there was some truth. They were about two seconds from plugging me, so I reached out, heart-pounding, praying I was faster than Red Janie's trigger finger. Hey, what's she
9: reaching for?
7: Nothing, but a clasp holding the pack closed. <laughs> I guess they figured llamas wouldn't break out, and they didn't reckon that I'd help them. Those llamas came charging right out, and they took me for a friend because I'd fed them. And it wasn't hard to see that Red Janie and her pal meant me hard. So now they charged out and swarmed around those two Martian stick-up artists, rearing up and screeching and swinging their hoofs like crazy. Buddy managed to slug one before a hoof took him right in the eyes. Red Janie went down without getting a shot off. I didn't stick around to see what happened to him.
5: Ma'am, ma'am, where are you? Wait, who are you? Star,
7: Star Freighter. I was so scared I couldn't think of a name. Could hardly think of a story either.
5: Ma'am, I checked every passenger's ticket. I didn't check yours.
7: Well, I was in the far back. I guess you didn't see me.
5: And what the hell's in that bag? Look at this. That's quite a lot of charge cards. Women just like you, running around with these. I can see why you didn't buy a ticket. Would you like to buy one now? What? A ticket. We've got an open berth, and I can sell you a ticket right now. And I can take these as payment. Otherwise, I'll toss you in the brig until you reach Vlasanov Station. Or you can go out the airlock right now.
7: And how much how much will that ticket cost?
5: I'll take the satchel and its contents as payment. Do we have ourselves a deal? Yeah. Then let me escort you to your quarters, ma'am.
7: So that's how I paid a fortune for a tiny berth on the Balto. It wasn't so bad. Had a bed with some sheets on it, a toilet, a sink with rust stains. Even had a screen to entertain yourself during the journey. I locked the door, curled up, and tried to sleep. But I I didn't get much rest all the way to the Rezanov space station. Soon as we landed, I lit out of there and stowed away on a ship bound for Venus. Had to put some space between me and Red Janie. I heard tell she survived that accident in the hold, spent the rest of the journey unconscious in the Balto's infirmary, and that she's still looking for me. Well, let her look. There's more no-goes in this galaxy than stars in the sky. I found Zirconium Jaw back on Mars. She had the Spacer's Plague had it bad. Spittle and snot creeping up from her throat. Still going on about the Candy Comet. Nah, I I still knew it was just a story, but I didn't correct her. You see, I I chased my own Candy Comet. Red Janie's promise, the dream of a fortune... What was that but a candy comet zooming through the dark? But I followed it anyhow. I suppose all no-goes do. We keep hitching through the galaxy, searching for that missing paradise, and we never really find it. But we keep looking still. But we have a glowing dream of how fair the world will seem. When each man can live his life secure and free. When the earth is owned by labor and there's joy and peace for all. In the commonwealth the toil that is to be.
4: When you're my age, where you've been and where you're going tend to get confused. You think the universe is big when you're young. It sure looks that way when you're on a planetary surface staring at it. When you get up there, start riding the spaceways, you realise how small it all is. How similar. Breasted out industrial corridors in an old space station, freezing cargo hold, half-finished terraform slope spiky grass, a dirty gutter and a crowded street and a big spaceport, Every traveller too busy to give you enough for a hot meal. I've seen it all. Not sure why I picked the Caduceus for my transport to Karen, but that's where I was, sleeping away on my journey to the end of the galaxy when the young nurse found me.
9: Excuse me, sir. Um... Excuse me.
4: What? Excuse me, sir. You haven't made at a disadvantage.
9: You're in my cargo hold, sir.
4: Is that so? Well, you have my condolences. Why don't you go back up to the cockpit and I'll go back to sleep? I won't be here when you land, and then you'll never have to worry about old Steel Thumb again.
9: Steel Thumb? Uh, your implant, you mean?
4: My implant and my name. Do you like it? It's just like hell along the joint when it gets cold, and it's always cold in space. But I can't really bend it. But Steel Thumb's better than no thumb, I suppose.
9: Right. Well, Mr. Thumb, maybe you'd better come up front. We've got a bit of a problem. Um, perhaps you'd care to have a look at it?
4: I'd like the no go up front. I thought at my age I couldn't be surprised. Lead on.
9: What the hell is this? This is, um, Steel Thumb. I... found him in the hold. But nothing that I asked you to find.
1: No circuit replacement... No nav systems. Fresh out. Sorry. But you found a no-go. Well, isn't that just perfect? Hey, Thumb, what? Stop doing that.
4: you will have to excuse me. Haven't seen this part of a spacecraft for some time. Kinda pretty, all these lights. Like Christmas lights. They still have Christmas? I remember we had one back in my camp on Earth. We were masked up and couldn't go outside much on account of the smoke from all the fires, but my mother made certain we went outside one night to see the lights strewn about all the prefab refugee tents and sheds all glittering and bright against the night darkened by smoke. Uh, what's this there? in that box it looks fancy.
9: Medicines.
4: Medicines you say I've got a problem with my bowels makes taking a shit harder than a flight through an asteroid belt. you got anything for that?
9: No no it's not not that kind of medicines. Theres some ultra strain nanobiotics designed to cure. you wouldn't understand. Therefore, a very specific type of illness. It's broken out in the Karen bubble, and they need this stuff, or the death toll. It will be catastrophic.
4: Hmm. So the Caduceus is an emergency medical ship. No wonder it's going so fast.
1: That's the problem. We tore right through a meteor shower. Did you happen to notice it down in the hold?
4: I was dreaming, son. Dreaming at the time this rich old lady brought me into her luxury quarters over on the moon. I thought it was out of meanness at first, you know, laughing at the no-go, but then I realised she was just lonely and wanted some stories. Tales of adventure among the stars. The romance of space. Needless to say, I had to edit it down for her enjoyment.
9: Jesus Christ, do you ever shut up? I'm sorry, Tom. It's just that, well, we're in kind of a desperate situation here.
4: Ah, the meteor shower, like you said.
9: That's Right. I don't quite understand. Then I'll explain it again.
1: And real slow, for both of you dummies. Those meteors severely damaged our automated navigation system and almost crippled our life support. I can set a course, but there's gotta be someone in the chair working the joystick if we want to reach Karen. Otherwise the ship will just zoom out into deep space. Except that won't work either, because life support's fading and soon enough there won't be anything left to breathe.
4: Oh, I guess that's a rather delicate matter.
1: Sure as hell is.
4: Got any spacesuits With oxygen tanks? Maybe the driver could sit in there in the suit and be okay until the ship got to Karen?
1: We got one. There's not enough oxygen for the full trip. If I did my calculations right, they'd run out just as they reached the bubble. Good for Karen. They'd see the ship, read the beacon, send a craft to reclaim the medicine. But who's ever in the cockpit?
4: Wouldn't be alive to meet him. What about skate pods?
9: We've got one of those. Um... And a fuel to make it back to Neptune. Or close enough, and its emergency beacon will fetch help too.
4: Ah, so we take the medicine, pop into the escape pot, and wait to be picked up. Leave this hunk of junk to sail forever, then you charge for another ship and get to Karen as soon as you can.
9: We could do that. I think we might have to. But by then, the disease will have fully spread through the bubble's population. It's a small place.
4: You're telling me. Last time I was on Karen, I ran afoul of this bulb called Notch Carver. On account of that, was what he did to his stun baton. Put a notch for each no go skull he stove in. He knew I was there and was laying out for me. I figured I could avoid him. It was a whole bubble after all. But Karen didn't seem to have more like three or four rooms. As soon as Notch Carver entered, I'd gone to the next, and we did that over and over all until he grew tired. and... I'm brambling again, aren't I?
9: I'm afraid you are.
4: Yeah. Lots of people packed in the Karen though. I could see how disease would take off there.
9: So, I guess you understand our dilemma. Either one of us stays put and takes a medical supply to Karen and gives their life. Or, we let at least 60 families die of one of the worst illnesses the galaxy can produce. It's a goddamn Archon model
1: is the problem. Those Archon bastards cut every corner they can. I've got plenty of friends who pulled into port dead, frozen at their controls because Archon life support failed.
4: Ah, uh, and I've had friends who died in the hold. Some tiny crack in the hall. All the oxygen sucked out in their lullaby ran dry, and they just floated on up to heaven.
1: Yeah, that can happen.
4: But there are worse ways to go.
1: Sucked out of an airlock.
4: Burned alive. Crushed. Starved to death.
1: Disease, like what'll be rampaging through Karen.
9: Can we stop? <laughs> Look. I think. I think I've got to do it. I'll put on a suit and take the controls. Y- you guys can take the escape pod and get out of there. I'll fly the caduceus down to Karen. I can't let you do that, nurse. I swore no when I left medical school. Do no harm. I can't allow those families to sicken and die when I graduated.
4: How long ago was that, son?
9: Uh, last year.
4: Fucking hell. You've got your whole life ahead of you. A whole life of healing, folks. You can't ride a dying ship, not at your age.
1: Then, what do we do? It's my ship, I suppose, even if I'm just working off a contract. I'll have to give you a note, something for my family to read. God, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but captains go down with their ships, don't they?
4: So, you've got a family?
1: Hell, doesn't everyone?
4: I had a brother once. Sent him to school, and I worked to send him the money. Worked in the port on Venus, day in and day out, driving those shipping containers everywhere. Lost people under the wheels of those carts. Or under the shipping containers. I lost my thumbs, as a matter of fact. But I worked and sent the money to my brother. To put him through school. And now he's got kids of his own. I don't stop by, though I don't see them.
9: Uh, why not? Well,
4: what do you suppose they think of me? He's respectable. Does account for one of the shipping companies. Wears a suit and tie. And then I come in, lullaby wrapped up in my bindle and stinking of the spaceways. Stubbled and scrawny. He wouldn't want to see me.
1: Look, we're wasting time here. The life support's going to give out soon. We need to- It's got to be me. What?
9: No, Mr. Thumb, you can't. You didn't sign up for this, you just, you just stole it away.
4: You're young, both of you. Me? I'm at the age where all I've got are stories and regrets. So, I'll take the chair and I'll fly those medicines to Karen.
9: Mr. Thumb, please, you can't-
4: You heard the Captain, kid. Life support's fading. Get me the suit. Show me how to put in the coordinates and take the escape pod. I won't have you die in here, not while I still have some breath left in my body.
1: Come on, not. Let him get suited up.
4: So that's what I did. I got this suit on and saw the world through a plastic dome. Captain Granville zipped it up and hooked in all the tubes. Fixed it right up so that the oxygen flowed and strapped me into the chair. Granville put the joystick in my hand and told me how to do it. It's just a matter of keeping the thing steady, putting a central needle between a pair of red lights on the display. Anybody could have done it. I took hold and looked at the universe as the Caduceus flew on. And then it was time to say our goodbyes.
9: Is there anything? Anything I can do? Any messages I can take? To anybody?
4: I'll have to think about that for a moment. No, there isn't. That's a no-go's way. No home, no family. But I'll tell you what, maybe you can stop me in the nearest jungle. They know me there. I'll have some friends. Talk to him, tell him how Steel Thumb met his end. Maybe take a sip of spirit food for me.
9: Okay. It just feels so little. I'm a no-go. Our lives aren't much.
1: We gotta go, kid. Come on. And Steel Thumb, you're a good one.
4: So long. And that was it. After that, I just sat there, strapped in and keeping the joystick in the right place. Keeping the Caduceus on its path. Nothing but my own breathing to keep me company. And my memories. They crept back, just like they did when I was trying to sleep. And all the mistakes I made danced around in my head and chased off the dreams. I didn't tell those kids what happened in the dockyards in the Venus spaceport. The Intragalactic Workers Movement sewed up. Dr. Gold was even there. They heard our complaints and had one suggestion. Strike. We formed the Venusian Stevedores Union that very day and struck for a few hours in better pay and safer conditions. Except the Venus Starport surfed Yukon and they brought in everything they had to beat us. Paid off informers inside, snuck in scabs to keep the plant going and when we started marching, they sent in the bulls. Taurus automated made it security, for our bullets to start off, and live rounds when we started messing with the company equipment. I could have stayed, I was a young man, I held my life dear, I left my comrades and took off to see the galaxy, chose a no-ghost path, but ran away, guess I've been running ever since. It wasn't all bad, good memories drifted back too, like when Starfighter and I stumbled onto a windfall. Full jug of starshine, abandoned in a cabin on the jungle outside of New London on Mars. Oh, We drained that junk and laid out in the grass, watching the sun rise up over the Martian atmosphere. Sunset so bright it was like God had discovered a new set of paints. Early memories are good too. Back when I was a kitten. I joined up with a regular no-go band in the hold of a cargo ship, running livestock back to the moon. They had life support on so we could stay awake. We played cards and then the instruments came out and we sang and danced and laughed all the way to the lunar stations. I made friends there that have lasted my entire life. Though I don't know how many of them are left. Soon I'll be gone too. But, But the goodbyes get forgotten. The good times, the jokes and the laughter, the way they helped me when I was in a jam, those remain. You don't care about it ending. You're just glad it happened at all. Maybe that's the grace of dying. The regrets stop mattering. You just realize that you're traveling onto somewhere else, somewhere without pain or starvation or misery of any kind. A peaceful place. I don't know a no-go alive who wouldn't like that. That's a final warning. Oxygen's low. Be gone completely soon enough. I can see Karen. It's so small. A little orb sitting there amongst the stars in darkness. I suppose I'll be gone soon and the ship will float on. Emergency bacons are early going, so they'll send someone up to get the medicine. That'll be fine. Finally get to lay down my load and the rest. I'm just a poor and stranger traveling through This world below, there is no sickness, no toil, nor danger in these bright skies to which I go.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Breathing Space, Fading Frontier. This episode, Wayfaring Stranger, was written by Michael Panush, directed by Lisa Guente, and edited by Scott Paladin. Booster Rockets was voiced by Sean Geddes. Zero Gravity was voiced by Thomas Fleming. Dr. Gold was voiced by Tom Freitag The Bull was voiced by Adam Roquemore Star Freighter was voiced by Olivia Cottle. Zirconium Jaw was voiced by Quill Turner. Red Janie was voiced by Paige Elena. Buddy was voiced by Zach Jakeways. Vincent Rollins was voiced by Charlie Neal. The Llamas were voiced by Llamas. Steel Thumb was voiced by Scott Paladin. Nurse Knot was voiced by Cam Clark. Captain Granville was voiced by Siobhan, with additional voice work by Patrick Mendelssohn. Our theme, Blues for the Black, was composed by Michael Fratog with vocals by Jeremiah and lyrics by Scott Paladin. You can find links to learn more about our cast and crew in the show notes and more information about our show at our website, breatheinspace.lawofnames.com. Breathe in Space, Fade in Frontier is a Law of Names production.